It's Saturday, February the 29th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, COVID-19 tallies tick upwards and the equities sell-off continues. First, the week in brief. Global tallies of COVID-19 infections continued their relentless tick upwards as the number of cases reached over 83,000 across at least 56 countries. Governments from America to Italy faced criticism of their early handling of the disease. The WHO raised its assessment of the global risk posed by the virus from high to very high. Iran cancelled Friday prayers in Tehran, Switzerland banned gatherings of more than 1,000 people, and a Japanese prefect declared a state of emergency. Fears about economic fallout from the spread of the COVID-19 epidemic continued to ricochet through financial markets, which, with many benchmarks down 10% or more, had their worst week since the financial crisis. Investors dumped stocks en masse on fears of weakened corporate profits and slower growth, rushing instead into safe haven assets like American government debt. Yields on 10-year Treasury notes dipped. Donald Trump announced on Twitter that he would again nominate John Ratcliffe, a Republican congressman from Texas and an outspoken supporter, to be the new director of national intelligence. He had nominated Mr. Ratcliffe for the job last July before dropping him amid concerns about his background. Senior Republicans in Congress had considered him unqualified for the role. A federal appeals court in San Francisco blocked one of the Trump administration's most hardline immigration policies. The program has forced tens of thousands of migrants to wait for months in Mexico for hearings in American immigration courts, many in overcrowded tent encampments. The three-judge panel said the policy was invalid in its entirety. A jury in London cleared three former Barclays bankers of fraud in a blow to the serious fraud office. The SFO alleged the bankers had made secret payments to Qatari investors in return for funding that helped Barclays avoid a bailout during the financial crisis. It was the first criminal trial in Britain to examine senior financial executives' crisis-era actions. Three prominent pro-democracy figures were arrested in Hong Kong for attending a banned rally in August. They included Jimmy Lai, the founder of Apple Daily, a newspaper that frequently criticises Hong Kong's and China's governments. Mr Lai was also charged separately with intimidating a reporter from another newspaper in 2017. Critics of the arrests called them political persecution. And India's GDP growth in the fourth quarter year-on-year was reported at 4.7% and the previous quarter was revised from a dismal 4.5% up to 5.1%. But given growth of around 8% two years ago, this represents, even in the government's optimistic portrayal, the end of bad news rather than a return of genuine good news. And now, here's today's agenda. Covering new ground, Queen Sono. Yesterday, Netflix released its first original series commissioned in Africa. Queen Sono follows a South African secret agent with a difficult past. She lost a parent at an early age. When not in the midst of a dangerous mission, Queen Sono must manage her tumultuous personal life. 
The show's release marks the beginning of a big push by the streaming service to woo subscribers on the continent. Netflix has missed several of its domestic American subscription targets, so producing content that appeals to international audiences has become increasingly important. A report by Digital TV Research, a consultancy, estimates that revenues from streaming platforms will exceed $1 billion in sub-Saharan Africa by 2024. The figure stood at just $223 million in 2018. That presents an opportunity for filmmakers. We believe Queen Sono will kick the door open for more awesome stories from this part of the world, says Kagiso Lediga, the show's creator. British Surrealists, Shoddy or Sublime Lucian Freud, a British painter, once said that surrealism made it easy for people of no talent to practice art. In London, visitors to the Dulwich Picture Gallery can judge for themselves at the new exhibition British Surrealism. The show features more than 70 paintings from 42 artists, such as Leonora Carrington, Henry Moore and Paul Nash. They were all inspired by André Breton, the French poet who spearheaded the movement with his Surrealist Manifesto of 1924. When the International Surrealist Exhibition was held in London in 1936 at the New Burlington Galleries, disapproving customs officers nearly incinerated a crate filled with paintings. At the exhibition, Dylan Thomas handed out cups of boiled string, and Salvador Dali delivered a lecture in a deep-sea diver's suit. He had to be rescued when he began to suffocate. Less drama is likely to ensue in Dulwich, but the art will be no less provocative. What Really Happened, a new Hillary Clinton documentary. Hillary, a new four-part series about Hillary Clinton, will be released on Hulu, a video streaming service, on March 6th. The documentary, directed by Nanette Burstein, looks at the life and career of the former First Lady and Secretary of State. Each episode portrays a different stage of Mrs. Clinton's life, from her early years to the Monica Lewinsky scandal to the 2016 election. The series features interviews with Mrs. Clinton, her husband Bill and daughter Chelsea, as well as behind-the-scenes footage from the 2016 campaign. The project premiered at the Sundance Film Festival on January 25th and received mixed reviews. Some thought it provided insight that countless books have not. Others claimed the series was more ambitious than revealing. Ultimately, Mrs. Clinton may be fated to remain polarising and enigmatic forever. As one of Ms. Burstein's interviewees puts it, I don't know if we're ever ready for the person who has to blaze the trail. Images of an illness, schizophrenia. Diseases of the mind may appear inscrutable compared with those of the flesh, and schizophrenia epitomizes this apparent divergence. Encompassing a spectrum of behaviours and psychoses, schizophrenia has until now been characterised by a dearth of brain volume. But research published this week in Brain, a neurology journal, is the first to identify two distinct subtypes of the illness. Researchers scanned the brains of 307 schizophrenics and used machine learning to cluster individuals based on neuroanatomy alone, irrespective of sex, ethnicity or use of medication. Surprisingly, 115 of the patients had normal brain volumes, showing no loss of tissue, and indeed some areas of their brains were slightly enlarged. The rest exhibited the expected brain damage. It is too early to know how the two subtypes might differ, but debunking brain volume loss as general to schizophrenia may help to understand why treatments to treat the condition have proven so frustratingly hit and miss. 
Going in circles, long-distance track cycling. In the early 20th century, endurance track cycling was a popular spectator sport. Much of the attraction was about witnessing human suffering. Accounts from the era describe horrendously sleep-deprived competitors pushing themselves for days to win prize money. Eventually, New York's state government cracked down on the most infamous races at Madison Square Garden by limiting cyclists to racing for just 12 out of 24 hours. Organisers got around this regulation by creating a two-person team race that, in theory at least, allowed one member to recuperate. The modern Madison, one of the events at this weekend's UCI Track Cycling World Championships in Berlin, gets its name from those early races. Teams earn points by winning regular sprints and by gaining laps on other teams. Men race for over 50 kilometres, women for 30 kilometres. The Madison is chaotic, huge fun and, while hopefully safer than the original, still very much in keeping with its roots. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Dinah Shaw, who was born on this day in 1916. Trouble is a part of your life. If you don't share it, you don't give the person who loves you a chance to love you enough. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.